Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Alliance Supporting all 32 counties Through the Alliance Leagues You haven't an idea until it gets underway For those who are not here Paint as good a picture as you a, can A grain of rice is going to tip the scale Just remember that lad. A grain of rice just, I, just, I love this county so much you know. And that's it It is all over It is just not meant to be Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and this week I caught up with Joe Brawley ahead of the start of the National League and I started out by asking which team in the National League he was looking forward to watching the most. (laughs) You're an eternal optimist. (laughs) Uh, um, Well, I mean, I'm looking for, really, I'm I'm going up to Celtic Park on Sunday to see Derry and, you know, because we've got a... For the first time in a long time, we've got a manager who isn't a carpetbagger, you know, a dairyman. Uh, he's been heavily immersed in his own club. He has only ever taken underage teams in his own club and then the dairy miners. So we're we're optimistic that we're going to see the start of um, a sort of a reprogramming process because we've been involved in that abysmal blanket defending for the last six years and, you know, the spectacle has deteriorated and... What we really want to see now is a bit of football being played. Like the big hope for Gaelic football followers, and I think a message that's starting to spread now is, I mean, that surely coaches must now be seeing that the way to play Gaelic football is to push up man-to-man, to pressurise any blanket defences, to hem them in and not let them out. And I think that what Dublin did last year was a perfect illustration of the fact that if a team plays with confidence and pushes up and man marks the sweepers, that then the opposing team's going to get hemmed in and the result becomes inevitable. And, you know, the hope would be that, uh, you know, people who've been evangelising for Gaelic football, which I think is more or less everybody apart from some vested interests like the paid coaches and stuff, will see that as being the turning point. Um, I mean, you look at Slack Neil, for example. They're, they've been religiously man-to-man and they've won three Ulster club titles out of the last four during a period when almost every team is playing blanket defenders and dropping back behind the 45. Slack Neil have pushed up, they've played man-to-man, they've played in front in the defence. And, you know, it makes perfect sense. Once you don't let them out, once you hem them in, and we saw that with Cavan Gales in the Ulster club final. I mean, Slack Neil winning three Ulster titles out of the last four. Cross McGlenn did exactly the same before that. The dubs are thriving, and it's no coincidence, Will, that the top two teams in Ireland now 
are Dublin and Mayo, and the team that causes Dublin most trouble is Mayo because Mayo play man to man against them and push up. How do you expect so Tyrone to, to do anything differently? I, I think there's going to have to be a reprogramming period because those players have become so entrenched in that blanket defensive system. I mean, the 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 you cannot expect it. Really, is a big issue. Like Fergal McCusker, a great friend of mine, he took the Derry under twenty ones last year himself and Enda Muldoon. And Fergal was coming out of that great Glen Mahara minor club team that won four Ulster minor club t- titles in a row, playing man to man football and pushing up. Um, kicking the ball long, there was no need for transition because the forwards were already in position. The backs just gave the ball to the forwards, and um, so he came in to take the Derry under twenty ones. And he said to me, "Like I'm having terrible trouble to convince the defenders that man to man is the way to play." They're saying, "Where's the cover?" They're worried. Um, they're playing with fear. I'm saying to them, "Look, kick the ball to the half forward line. Half forward, stay in position." The half forwards are are naturally retreating back into the defence because they've been learning that at club and schools level and county level until now. And in the end, Fergal didn't have time. You know, they got to an Ulster final and they played really well in the Ulster semi final. But he just didn't have time. And he said to me afterwards, like, I just couldn't gain their confidence enough to make them play that sort of football. And that's a big issue for Tyrone because they've been doing this now for seven, eight years. And you know, you see how robotic they've become. So it's going to take a while. And if anybody thinks it's going to be immediate, all you have to do is think of their McKenna Cup game last week against Fermanagh, where the score was 8-4. And Fermanagh didn't score for the last 55 minutes. As in, like, Fermanagh got four points in the first 15 <laughs> minutes and then didn't score again. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's going to have to be a sort of a... The way players were brainwashed to play that sort of uh, blanket defensive football, there's going to have to be a sort of freeing of the minds again to allow them to go back to playing Gaelic football. You could maybe run some I mean, sort of facility, Joe, and you could try to reprogram them. Well, you, it just it's just going to take time. And, um, you know, that orthodoxy of coaching that has grown up, I mean, I, I lampooned it in my Sunday Independent column last Sunday, you know, about, you know, I mean, there's Stephen Poacher, one of the most high-profiled you know, respected coaches who goes around, you know, given sort of, um, you know, coaching the coaches days and all of that. And I mean, it's absolutely bewildering. I mean, um, blast off transition, triple transition, double transition, input pass providers, all gobbledygook, all gobbledygook. And of course, you know, as uh, one of one of the greatest footballers in Ireland, a very good friend of mine, I'm very, very, I must say, enjoy his company hugely, but he, I can't mention his name because of, you know, because of the secrecy and confidentiality that also surrounds senior squads nowadays. But suffice to say, one of the very best footballers in Ireland at the moment texted me and he says, of course, you know, teams are, teams only have to transition when they've got everyone behind the 45. He said, we don't have to transition. We kick the ball to the cornerback. The cornerback gives it to the halfbacks and they bring it forward to the forwards. So we don't have to transition. You know, we just play the game. And they just happen to be probably one of the most successful teams of that's ever played Gaelic football. So, you know, the message that, that I think is starting to get out there, and particularly with Dublin last year, and don't be fooled by this. Like, people are saying, right, oh, and it's a sort of, a, it's a natural tendency to say, are these the greatest team of all time? Oh my God, they're so unbelievable. No team has ever played football like this before. They're quite incredible. But, 
you must, there's a caveat there, which is that whenever they play Mayo, who go man to man against them, they beat them by a point and they struggle to beat them by a point. And if, you know, if Mayo just had maybe one or two more winners on their team, Mayo would beat them. And and that tells you all you need to know. I mean, no one would say that that Mayo team's one of the greatest teams of all time, but they go toe-to-toe with the dubs. They play man-to-man. And the fat's in the fire on the last couple of minutes always. And that teaches you that that's the way to play Gaelic football. As it is, teams like Tyrone, they're allowing Dublin to do exactly what they want to do. And then they're hemmed into their own defence because Dublin man-marked them and don't let them out. It's the laws of physics. Uh, another team you would, you would hope that that'll convince everybody look, that this is the way to play Gaelic football now. Because this other stuff is so demoralising. Another team I'd like to get your opinion on, Joe, is, is Kerry. Obviously, I haven't. Re- I don't think I've heard you talk too much about David Clifford, although he's expected to probably play, if not this weekend, then very soon. Uh, would you, if you were Eamon yeah. Fitzmaurice, bring him into the starting team or play him early on? Well, I mean, he's very big and powerful. You know, you have no, you have no sort of issues with his size and physique. Um, he's obviously uh, playing at an extremely high level. Now, I have heard, Pat Spillane has said to me, look, that there'll be some question marks over his pace as a as a senior county footballer. And obviously his size, the fact that he's six foot four, uh, means that you know he's got a physical advantage at underage level. But you would have to say that some of his performances have been quite incredible. I mean, the two greatest minor footballers that I ever saw were Dermot McNichol for Derry and then Wee James McCartan uh, for Down. But, I mean... From every point of view, I don't think there's ever been anything like Clifford at minor level. Mm. His scoring power, his two-footedness, the subtlety of his skills, you know. I mean, he's really a magical Gaelic footballer, a brilliant finisher, absolutely confident. Now, it is a bigger deal at senior county level, you know. And obviously, in Fitzmaurice will be thinking, well, you know, is he ready for Fitzmaurice, Cooper and Philly McMahon? You know, is he ready for that relentless warfare that these very seasoned, extremely powerful players will bring, and there's no doubt that you know the um, those boys are four or five years ahead, certainly two, three years ahead in strength and condition and things like that, which are important now. And um, so that's going to be, you know, he's going to have to protect him. Mm. But obviously, he's a very, very special talent, and people will be looking for it. And also, people would like to see Kerry playing more expansive football now. And you know, whenever I was down in the kingdom recently to do the for the O'Shea brothers' big night for the for Angiltacht, um, uh, the whole talk was look at Kerry need to play more positive football, and they're not, put, you know, they're not putting the right team on the field. Mm. It's a huge amount of good footballers in Kerry, and we know that over the last two or three years. But, I mean, realistically, where are we? We're still Kerry, Dublin, Mayo. I think Toronto are too far behind now, too stuck in that sort of rut that Mickey Hart has put them into. Are there any other teams um, in Division 1? To make one? a serious impact. Are there any other teams in Division 1 you can think do well? Like, you know, Donegal have Oren McNeilish back. Declan Bonner seems to be playing a slightly more expansive style, maybe? Well, I mean, really. I mean, I called Cavan the Black Death three or four years ago when they won their third under-21 Ulster title in a row. And, like, it was, it was the most... I mean, <laughs> distressing. <laughs> Probably one of the most distressing sights in Irish life to watch the Cavan under 21s that I called them the Black Death, but they had nothing on Declan Bonner's underage Donegal teams. I mean, the Donegal under 21s last year, it was the opposite of what sport ought to be, particularly given the calibre of player that he had at his disposal and the work those boys were doing. I mean, they are they were in essence a professional team. And I was very, very critical of Declan and the spectacle and the way they played against Derry in the Ulster final. 
And he texted me, he was very upset about what I said. And I just said, like, Declan, you know, I mean, that's the way you're playing. You know, it's your choice. You're quite entitled to play that way, but I'm quite entitled to... And myself and Declan would go for a pint and all of that. But he was very, very, very cross with me. My my point to Declan is, like, you have a duty to the game. Now, I understand that they're that what I'm hearing is they're trying to play a slightly more expansive style. But again, that's going to be a huge reprogramming job. And, you know, if you look at the one shining light in Donegal has been Kilcar. And finally, they've managed to emerge from a, a phalanx of suffocating blanket defensive teams to play real football. And probably the best game of the year so far was Slack Neil against Kilcar. But... I mean, I'll believe it when I see it with Declan because, you know, we talked about the sort of psychological reorientation, you know. I mean, it's going to be a huge... And the interesting thing is, and this sort of happened to all of us, I suppose because of the novelty of Jim McGuinness and then everybody getting carried away with it, including a lot of us boys, you know, commentators and all, and this is the only way to play, etc. Mm. How do you combat it? But, you know, a big... You know, you would have to say Declan Bonner was used to playing real football with that Donegal team. I mean, they played very, very good football, the team he won the All-Ireland with. So, you know, I, I think guys are mad to get back playing Gaelic football again the way it ought to be played. But there's going to have to be a serious, um, there's going to have to be a year or two to get back to that in Donegal, for example. Because every Donegal team is playing in that same ultra-defensive manner. And, you know, once that is programmed into your DNA, it's hard to shake off. So, like, the, if it starts to happen this year, and that's been, then then everybody's going to owe Dublin a huge debt of gratitude. I've been saying it for years. You know, they're doing a massive service to Gaelic games, just the way Cross and McGlenn were, just the way Slack Neil are now. And um, you know, we hope that we hope that what Dublin did last year marks marks an end to that sort of self-defeating game yeah sure uh you know you, t- you mentioned dublin there and how people might owe them a debt of gratitude if people start playing football but how do you expect jim gavin's meant to approach the league this season and mayo for that matter who played them in the all Ireland final yeah well i think both teams have more or less got it uh, you know they've mayo's problem is that you know it's a ver- it's a much more difficult situation and it's a much more pressurized situation when you uh have continually failed at the last hur- hurdle as they have and so last year for example it was natural I mean a third of the way through the season you would have said they're dead they're gone Derry should have beaten them you know one of the worst Derry teams in living memory we should have beaten them in Mayo and they were rescued by the the um, young sub who came on and scored the great goal Conor and yeah but up until that point in time and don't forget Derry missed a free to win the game and uh, and really looked the better team for the vast majority of the first 70 minutes. And that was a pattern that was repeated against. Clearly, they looked awful. They looked like dead men walking. But the point is this, that the potential's there, the ability's there. They're clearly capable of performing at the highest level. And they're clearly capable of winning in All-Ireland. There can be no doubt about that. I mean, their defence is fantastic. Their half-back line's probably the best half-back line that we've seen in the last decade. Um, and they're extremely difficult to deal with. And when they push up on the kickouts, as they did last year, uh, in the latter stages of the championship, and that's what changed against Derry. They pushed up on Derry, and they 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 um, negated Derry sweepers. They hemmed us in. They made us impo- made it impossible for us to get out. They did exactly the same against the Dubs. That's how they strangled Kerry. Kerry just simply couldn't get out. So Mayo, subject to being able to keep the faith which is not easy at this stage you know 
will be will be there at the end. The big thing is to get to the semi-final for them because they're very, very vulnerable. It's very, very difficult to get any sort of momentum going. Dublin, of course, are coming from an, an entirely different base. You know, absolutely flourishing team with absolute confidence who want to go out and express themselves and play football. Everybody's playing with ambition. They're not afraid to make mistakes. Everybody plays with confidence. We still have yet to see the best from Mannion, from Con O'Callaghan. Dermot Connolly's bound to be burning up inside after what happened last year when he lost his place for the big games and you know you you can just <laughs> you know looking at them and looking at their attitude the way they don't overtrain the way they've really just everything is perfect at this stage you'd have to say that you know it's very very likely they'll win the four in a row but on the other hand four times they've beaten Mayo by a point four times so Mayo are extremely close. I, st- I still make the point that I've always made that, that while Aidan O'Shea is in that Mayo team, they're not going to win in All-Ireland because I do not think you can afford passengers <laughs> come the key phases, yeah, of, come the key phases of big games. Look, he was great against Clare and he was great against Derry in the second half. And, you know, he... He, he, he played he, pretty well against Dublin too, to be fair. Yeah, when it didn't matter. You know, what was he? he was laying balls off, he was winning balls and he was hand-passing them off. What did he actually do? While James McCarthy came forward and scored two killer points in the last quarter in a game that was there for the taking, where the great players, the All-Stars, step up and take that game. Where was he? Where did he go in the last 20 minutes? Take a look. Take a look. And that's what, that's what you judge a great player on, an All-Star on. Like, I really couldn't believe it that he got an All-Star. Lee Keegan, meanwhile, didn't get an All-Star. The game when they really needed it, someone was against Roscommon when Roscommon went seven points up. Lee Keegan scored 1-3 or 1-4 that day. Dragged him back by himself against Dublin in the final. He destroyed one of the players who was in line to be player of the year. A much bigger man. A man who was on his sort of, what, fourth All-Ireland. He completely destroyed him and he scored the goal that, that opened up that opportunity. But, but in that last 20 minutes, watch it for yourself. Aidan disappears. I mean, that's a reality. And, you know, we've been over this many, many times. I think there are ruthless decisions to be made. And I'll put it to you this way. He wouldn't be playing for the Dublin team. He wouldn't be on the Dublin 15 if he was a dub. Do you disagree with me? Do you disagree Um, with me? uh, Well, there's a good chance he could get into the half-forward line now. Maybe put him at centre-forward. Who would they drop? Well, They would drop Dermot Connolly. They would drop Conor Callaghan. Really? Mm. Come on! Uh, no, well, it, seriously, it, you gotta get you gotta get real here. You know, if you've got someone who's not pulling entirely with the team, where it's not an entire shared journey, it's not going to happen. And that's the reality. I've been there. You've got to trust every man there, and you've got to trust every man there when it gets to the white heat to step up. You know, and 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 in those qualifier I mean, games you mentioned, like, he did step up. Like those games Ireland, do matter. Four All Ireland, four four All Ireland finals, and he did. I suppose in those four All Ireland finals, he did tolerably well in the sense that he did stuff that you would expect more or less anybody to do in the first 40 minutes of the final this year. A big guy catching the odd ball, hand-passing the ball off the odd time, you know, winning some possession. What else? What notable in the game that mattered? Well, he created the Keegan goal the year previous. He created what? The the Lee Keegan goal the year previously. 
<laughs> the one time that he went into the centre half forward slot and the ball came to him and he laid it off. I was a really? good, but you can't pick up the only good thing he does well and then say and then just poo poo it like that was a good that was a good bit of skill. He turned Keane O'Sullivan around. Look, it all happened nicely. It all set up nicely. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, the guy can play a bit of football. There's no doubt he's got enormous potential, but he's just not that type of guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna be there in the white heat of an All Ireland to pull you through, and that's the reality. Four All Ireland finals, now negligible contribution in the first three, and in the fourth, the sort of contribution that if he hadn't been so poor in the previous three, n- no one would have noticed. I mean, uh, nobody said that Brian Fenton had a great All Ireland final. Well, he didn't. And, really. his, and his and, and it, well, his contribution was twice what O'Shea's contribution was. I mean, and look at James McCarthy, and James McCarthy didn't get Player of the Year. Jesus! What but like people, to, to be fair, like McCarthy played well towards the end of the game, but for the first sixty minutes, O'Shea was the better player. Ah, come on! Whereas now can... everyone just focuses on McCarthy ah, and doesn't give no, no, O'Shea any on. credit. Come on, come on, seriously! I never, I never saw a game yet that was won in the first half. Not a big game, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, on that note, thanks so much for joining us. Good to have you back. <laughs> Good man. Cheers, Joe. That's all we have time for with Joe Brawley on the throne this week. We'll be back on Monday with the panel to go over all the weekend's action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until Monday, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.